God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. The year was 1995. It had been raining all day, and our Anglican and Episcopal sisters had been standing in ankle-deep mud for hours. They were in Beijing, China, at the Fourth World Women's Conference, waiting for First Lady Hillary Clinton to speak. Our sisters were not weary or upset, but giddy with anticipation for what was about to happen. When Ms. Clinton finally walked up to the podium, she spoke the now famous line, women's rights are human rights, and human rights are women's rights. At this conference, the first international document recognizing the equal treatment and rights of women, the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action, was adopted by 189 countries. It was and remains a key global policy document on gender equality and covers 12 critical areas of concern, some of them being women in poverty, violence against women, and women in power and decision-making. Since 1995, and after the adoption of the Platform for Action, much has changed. 131 countries have passed 274 legal and regulatory reforms in support of gender equality. More girls are in school than ever before, and education parity has been reached on a global uh, has reached on average at the global level. And 25% of all parliamentary seats are now held by women, which is double the amount from 1995. These are no small achievements. However, they are not enough. Globally, women aged 25 to 34 are 25% more likely than men to live in extreme poverty. Nearly half a billion women and girls aged 15 older and older are illiterate. And globally, women are still being paid 16% less than men. Our own church is not immune to the work that needs to be done. Today, male clergy on average are paid 13.5% higher than female clergy. Following in the footsteps of my Episcopal sisters 26 years ago, this past March, I attended the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women, or UNCSW. As a delegate representing the Episcopal Church, our presiding bishop, and our diocese. The theme of the conference was women's full and effective participation and decision-making in public life, as well as elimination of violence for achieving gender equality and the empowerment of all women and girls. Our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, submitted a position paper on behalf of the church to UNCSW, all backed by Episcopal Church General Convention resolutions. The three points Bishop Curry named as priorities in our church were increasing women's access to power and decision-making roles, promoting gender equality education and eradicating violence against women and girls, and prioritizing marginalized women and girls in planning, resource allocation, and programs. At UNCSW, was confronted by the difficult statistics I mentioned earlier. Even worse, the pandemic has disproportionately affected women and girls. A fact well stated when many speakers said that COVID-19 is a pandemic with a woman's face. This pandemic has, in many ways, intensified the reality of marginalization. The same kind of marginalization that would have affected the eunuch in today's reading from Acts. He and all other people with altered or otherwise mutilated genitals would have been excluded from many aspects of temple worship. Because of who he was, he was marginalized and left out. But after hearing the gospel proclaimed by Philip, the eunuch says, look, here is water. 
what is to prevent me from being baptized? We are shown in this moment that the eunuch or any marginalized member of society are all included as full members of the family of God. There is no longer anything preventing the eunuch from his full participation, and he is baptized. As Bishop Curry wrote in his letter to UNCSW, as Christ's followers, our pre-existing call to uplift the marginalized is ancient, modern, and urgent. Just like the eunuch, we have everything we need to create change right here, right now. So what is preventing us from doing it? During a non-pandemic year at UNCSW, about 7,000 people fly in from around the world to attend the conference. Since it was virtual this year, over 25,000 people attended. I heard from nonprofit organizations, government entities, ambassadors, and young and old activists speaking of ways they are fighting for gender equality, many of whom would not have been able to attend the conference normally. We have all that we need. Yet, there remain barriers to overcome. More women need to be elected and invited to the decision-making table and be in leadership roles. As Bishop Curry says, when women are underrepresented, so are their interests. Today, only 25 nations are led by women. At this rate, global gender parity and country leadership will not be reached until 2150. That's 129 years from now. We cannot be that patient. We must advocate for changing the narrative and building a culture of diversity and inclusivity. We must tell stories in movies and TV shows, articles, books, and sermons that champion women and girls. In changing the narrative, the world will begin to view women in leadership roles not as something unusual or new, but view women as equal participants in decision-making spaces. In the reading from 1 John, we heard the wonderful statement that God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. But this love is not a no-strings-attached kind of love. This love, God's love, demands response and change of life. The passage goes on to say that those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Likewise, our baptismal covenant that we reaffirm each year at the Easter Vigil and every time we are present for a baptism challenges us to strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. It does not say every human man, but every human being. We must celebrate women, girls, and gender minorities and strive for gender equality. We must love all our brothers and sisters as we love God. As Bishop Curry says, if it's not about love, it's not about God. This is why faith-based organizations and communities are essential to the work of the United Nations and why our church continues to invest in this work. The power of these communities is to affirm the dignity of everybody, to continue to lift up the marginalized, the oppressed, and the vulnerable, to show that God has called us to be a people of love, action, and peace. We use that love to eliminate the barriers that prevent women to run for elected office so that their voices are heard at the decision-making table. We use that love to bring the gender pay gap to zero so women do not have to be paid less for the same job. And we use that love to end violence against women so that no woman has to live in fear. We use that love to change the world because that is what God has called us to do. We have all that we need. What is preventing us? Amen.